of the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow underway. The Thursday edition has arrived. The weekend is here, Chad Withrow. The weekend and not Ariel Tesfaye, the weekend. I think that's how you pronounce it. Well done. The you actual weekend is here. It. The actual weekend is here. Armando Salguero joins us from Outkick.com. Uh, that's coming up uh, later this hour. Plus, uh, Che Mock from ESQ Agency, sports agent, in studio with us to talk all things big business for where the NCAA is headed. And we jump right into that uh, in just a moment. Chad, uh, how about this? Uh, in fact, yes, a former head coach did land the Washington Commanders head coaching job. Just not the one anyone expected. Exactly. Uh, Dan Quinn is the new head coach of the Washington Commanders. Former, uh, of course, Cowboys defensive coordinator, former head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. 28-3 uh, to 3 is going to be brought up quite a bit, I'm sure. Um here he is getting a, a second opportunity, and he took his time. The last two years, he has interviewed with the Bears, the Vikings, the Dolphins, the Cardinals, the Colts, and the Broncos, and either removed his name from consideration or they went in a different direction. He was patient, and he could have gone back to be with Dallas as their defensive coordinator again after not landing, we all assume, the Seattle Seahawks job. They go with Mike McDonald, the younger defensive version of Dan Quinn, and now all the jobs are filled, and it's not Mike Vrabel. And it's not Bill Belichick. They went with the older coach here, older in quotation marks. I think the guy's like maybe 55 years old, Dan Quinn. Um, but I would have assumed, Chad, if you were telling me uh, commanders are going with a former head coach, that it would have been one of those two, Belichick or Vrabel, or for that matter, Harbaugh. And they don't get any of the three. They choose to go a different direction with at least two of them. And Dan Quinn's the final head coach of the carousel that was 2023-24. There were truly three celebrity head coach candidates in, in this bunch. Jim Harbaugh, Bill Belichick, Mike Vrabel. Yep. Those are the three guys. Vrabel, a star as a player. Everyone knew him as a player. Six years with the Titans. Did some good things. Got that organization to an AFC championship game. And then, of course, Bill Belichick. Possibly the GOAT. Seven-time Super Bowl champion with the New England Patriots. Nope and nope. That's what the NFL said about both those guys. This go-around, Jim Harbaugh is the one celebrity coach to land a gig. I'm shocked. Me too. I, I'm surprised. I, I, I would have been surprised had one not gotten a job. I am utterly shocked that two of those guys, in Vrabel and Belichick, did not land an NFL job. The only thing more shocking would have been if all three struck out or if Harbaugh decided to remain at Michigan and then the NFL didn't get any of those three. But I'm really surprised Vrabel especially I agree did not yeah. get a job. It's it, crazy to think about. Look at the look at the old coaches, new coaches, the the incumbents and uh where where they stand now. You see that the carryovers with Antonio Pierce as the interim coach in Las Vegas. But beyond that, I mean some of the names here are surprising to me just on a surface level with uh that how young teams are going. And uh, you know what? In a, in a weird way, uh, props to some of these owners who decided not to go uh, with a repackaged version of a coach and instead uh, went with a younger, uh, more uh, in tune, I would say, with today's NFL player slash where the direction of the NFL is headed type of head coach. Uh, nobody knows that these guys are going to be any good. Mm -mm. Uh, vast majority of them will not. Um, Vrabel was the last coach to be fired from his coaching crop of 2018. That doesn't last very long. Not everyone's Andy Reid here. Uh, but in this case, Dan Quinn gets a second opportunity, and he took his time. And I think of Ben Johnson in this way. 
He's opting to go back to Detroit as the offensive coordinator for a second consecutive uh, for a consecutive season now. And he's saying, hey, I'll, I'll take my time and wait. Not everything always works out perfectly for you. But in Quinn's case, he was able to select and choose. And I'm, I'm really surprised that Jay Harris, Josh Harris, excuse me, uh, and the ownership group there, uh, along with what uh, the assets that they have to use in Washington, didn't uh, garner more attention from coaches this go around. More of that with Armando Salguero. Dad, the attention uh, in the sports landscape is on college football, specifically with the NCAA and the crosshairs that they're in with the state of Tennessee, the Commonwealth of Virginia, and all of the different statements that are being released in regards to the fact that, well, the NCAA is trying to retroactively come in, change the, uh, change the goalposts, swap them up, and try to figure out how they can find violations with name image likeness. Tennessee Athletic Director Danny White released a statement today, among the many statements we've seen over the last 24 hours, emphasizing in bold font, first sentence, that the NCAA generally doesn't comment on infraction cases, which they did on Wednesday, because there's a rule against it. And it hasn't stopped them in the past from commenting on cases or leaking information to the media. And then they want to move the goalposts on what they want the investigation to uncover. And we will dive into the details of his statement coming up. But it was scathing. It was blunt. It was direct. And he ends it by saying the coaches, the administrators, the athletes, they deserve better. And I'll throw in the fans into the mix here as well. The NCAA wants us to think that where college football is headed is the death of the sport that we love. And it's not about where college football is headed. It's about where we are. And the NCAA, to me, looks like the Pac-12 right now, mismanaged and they're on death's door. And this is where the power conferences decide the NCAA's fate, really, the fate of the governing body as we know it or see it right now. Because right now, the chain of command is being mocked uh, member institutions are daring the authority to penalize them, threatening lawsuits if they do. And now you have state governments that are either threatening to file a lawsuit if a, a state receives a bowl ban, or uh, states are filing antitrust suits based on the Sherman Act. They're paying millions to coaches. Billions are being brought in through broadcast rights. And those figures matter because they're trying to shout from the rafters that name, image, likeness, and collectives are leaking just boatloads of money that is sinking your favorite sport. And keep in mind, the NCAA generated a revenue of $1.2 billion as recent as 2022. In 2019, the NCAA released information that told us D1 programs committed $3.7 billion to coaches' compensation. 40% of the budget went to salaries for coaches or administrators. 9% on average went to college funding for the athlete. This is corporate America in a nutshell right here, except when it comes to the athletes on the field who produce the product and bring in the cash flow. Name image likeness is not a billion dollar entity. How many times have we had Shannon Terry on here from on three? It's not what they make it out to be. It's not close. And Charlie Baker is tasked with keeping it that way. That's what he's not saying. That's what they're, no one's standing up and yelling. They want to keep it exactly where it is. In a nutshell, this is what I think the NCAA wants to cut off. In 2007, the SEC distributed $10 million to each member school through the media right contract that they had with CBS. Next year, next season, they'll distribute an estimated $57 million to each program. The Big Ten 
they're going to earn an estimated $73 million in media deals this year. By 2029, the projection is the SEC is expected to have a program payout of over $100 million. Same for the Big Ten. And now you consider 2007, $10 million, and we're up to over $100 million in 2030. But I would say from 2007 to 2024, not much has changed with the athlete payouts. And that's what the NCAA and Charlie Baker wants to continue to happen. The NCAA wants to lock in this percentage of revenue and keep the distribution where it is. And the revenue is going to continue to go up. And they're going to point to the smaller conferences saying that they want to help the helpless. But even directional school U is paying a coach to not coach right now. I guarantee you. And then look at these administrator jobs, Chad. I was doing this this morning. I just picked Georgia for no other reason than trying to pick a school that would have uh, your run-of-the-mill, everyone-has-it type of administrators. This is their athletic department and what it's made of job-wise. And then add up just... Add up the money spent on these roles. They have the director of athletics. They have the deputy director for legal and regulatory affairs. They have the deputy director of finance. And it continues down the page where you have, uh, let's see, the executive associate athletic director for strategic communications, sports medicine, I'm just keep going, compliance, internal operations, communications, academics and eligibility, major gifts, Academics, major gifts and premium seating. You have academics and eligibility for the business operations side of things. The event management. You have facilities and capital project management as a associate athletic director. You have the annual giving and ticket operations. Chad once applied for that, I believe. Uh, they went with someone else. They went with the Bulldog instead of a Vol. Much more qualified candidate they went with. Chad, they have the fan engagement and licensing athletic director. They have, yes, even the assistant athletic director for inclusive excellence and strategic engagement. And this is the norm. This is the bar that you have to meet if you want to compete in this business. And the NCAA wants to stay in business of controlling the billions. They want your donations funneled through their department, not through a collective. They being the NCAA, because individual schools, they've got smart. They were allowed to because the NCAA took a step back. They figured out how to make collectives work for everyone. And trust me, everyone is getting a piece of the pie, except for the NCAA. And that's why this is a battle that they cannot lose. It's why they need Capitol Hill to save the organization from drastically changing course on how they do business and how they conduct business and who they do business with. Larry Scott buried the Pac-12. Idiot. The NCAA has their own Larry Scott. His name's Mark Emmert. It's now on Charlie Baker, who should turn to his executive down the hall for maybe strategic engagement. Maybe it's strategic planning. Maybe it's major gifts. Maybe it's communications, business operations. Come up with a message and a plan. And how about this word? A compromise. Because what he's doing right now is not working. And it's burning. And they're being mocked. They're being laughed at. And people are calling to the last stand. I'm one of them. Because as they sit back and wait, everyone else is moving forward and they don't care what happens to them because the NCAA doesn't have any power. Bravo, Hutton. Bravo. Well said. I, I do think spot on Danny White uh, with, said it with better the state today, of though. it. D Danny White said it well. You mentioned all those positions at the University of Georgia. One of those positions is president of the University of Georgia, Jer Moorhead, yeah. who also happens to serve on the governance committee for the NCAA. Also, a woman from Baylor University <laughs> serves on that. 
I'd love to talk to Georgia and Baylor and find out if what the NCAA is doing right now with NIL collectives is really what they all want. Because that is the NCAA's fallback every time. Guys, guys, you all serve under the freedom and the, and the, you're, you're warm under the blanket of freedom we provide for you. And then you question the manner in which we provide it. We're just doing a service here that you all ask for. Guys, we're, not, we're doing what you ask. This is what you want. Is that what Georgia wants? Does Georgia want the NCAA coming down to Athens and looking into their NIL deals with players? Do we think they're not paying players in NIL at Georgia? Is that what Baylor wants? Is this really what your leadership wants? Or are you going rogue to try to get your own pound of flesh? That, that's my question to the NCAA. And Danny White's got a lot of questions to the NCAA also. Hutton brought it up. He had a scathing statement that he released today. Big part of this, let's, let's go to the part about possible NCAA infractions. Yes. This is the one I'm going to highlight in, in bold print. It is clear that the NCAA staff does not understand what is happening at the campus level all over the country in the NIL space. After reviewing thousands of Tennessee coach and personnel phone records, NCAA investigators did not find a single NIL violation. So they moved the goalpost to fit a predetermined outcome. They are stating that the nebulous, contradictory NIL guidelines written by the NCAA And not the membership, not the president from Georgia, not the vice president from Baylor, not the leadership council, the NCAA employees themselves saying that it doesn't matter. And they're applying the old booster bylaws now to collectives. They're moving the goalpost, as Danny White says. I said it when this story first broke. They're trying to nab an NIL collective. And Spire Sports is one of the more famous ones. They want Tennessee to disassociate from from Spire. So they can show victory in some way. They can show their teeth again. They can be powerful again. It's not going to happen. And the response from Donde Plowman at Tennessee and now Danny White, their athletic director, shows you there's not a chance in hell it's going to happen. And the fact that he puts here in bold print, great work, by the way, by the legal team in charge of this at Tennessee and with the coaches at Tennessee, they went through thousands of coach and personnel phone records and text messages, did not find one single NIL violation. So now it's, hey, Tennessee's under investigation. By the way, whoever tipped off Pat Forty, which Danny White is saying was, in fact, the NCAA, he opens with that. You don't talk about investigations, yet you leaked it to Pat Forty and others. When Pat Forty writes in there, oh, Tennessee, across multiple sports, double, double jeopardy, double offender, they're going to get hammered by the NCAA. Over what? Thousands of documents have been reviewed. They told Tennessee they don't have a single bit of evidence about anyone at Tennessee, people wake up. They want to end an NIL collective. They want to affect someone's business. That's what they're doing right now. And all they're doing in return is affecting their own business because now all the guns are pointed at the NCAA. They have united America against them. They thought they'd get support in this. They're not. NIL collectives, they're banding together. Schools are banding together. Athletic directors will. Coaches will. And it all goes back to, Hutton talked about the inevitable ruination of the sport. Well, the ruination of the sport is not because of the product and it's not because of players getting paid. The ruination of the sport is the NCAA's inability to come up with a set of guidelines that coaches and administrations can follow and be comfortable with understanding and knowing 
players are going to make whatever they're worth in the open market. We have to start with that. They're going to get paid. We have to be out in the open about that. Now, what's a fair way to legislate it? That's what all these schools want. That's what all these coaches want. It's going to make their job easier. All the NCAA doing is doing, Hutton, is making everyone's job more difficult, including their own job is being made more difficult now. Well, I think they see what's, what's on the horizon, and that's why everyone's banding together on the flip side of this because they also see what's on the horizon with this. Um, they, it, it comes down to simply they're going to need federal legislation. They're going to need an exemption of antitrust law in order to pass and, and get through what they're trying to, to uh, forge ahead with with retroactively trying to go and punish. I mean, this is, uh, you've got Danny White speaking on behalf of the University of Tennessee. He's speaking on behalf of any, anyone across the country with name, image, likeness, and, and how they've gone about this over the last three years. I mean, this is 100% everyone's in violation if, if they're going to point to a collective and say, and that, that was my theory when it first dropped was, hey, they're going at the, one of the collectives that's a part of this alliance where all, they have over 30 collectives that have joined forces uh, to try to unify and structure things properly. And they're, they're trying to end that by saying, oh, we're going to affect the university, we're going to affect the program, who benefited from said collective who then paid the player. But this all goes back to they have to keep their head above water, and right now they are... Uh, they're trying well, a last-ditch effort to have a win. And they went against a program that had cooperated with them after a public like joke of, uh, of a season where they go back and forth with Michigan. And on the way out, Jim Harbaugh, while you know, uh, just soaked in Gatorade and hoisting the trophy, says, I proclaim innocence, and then takes the job with the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, and, and by the way, your national champion are the Michigan Wolverines. Don't get it twisted. And the NCAA allowed it to happen. And by the way, Charlie Baker said fair and square. Did he not? Charlie Baker said Michigan fair and square. Yeah. That, it's, it's ridiculous. It, it, it's unbelievable. The, the, the lack of any self-awareness here by it's, everyone. And Pat Forty's initial story too. The lack of self-awareness of how that was going to be received. I think yeah. everybody banks on... In college sports, if someone's in trouble, everyone that's not a fan of that school is going to band together against them and make fun of them. And this is one where everyone now, and I give college sports fans credit for this, everyone now is smart enough to know we're all doing it. Everybody's doing it. It's a reality of sport. We're not going to make fun of one school for paying more or for being in the NCAA crosshairs. Also, no one cares about the NCAA crosshairs. This post right now, this tweet from Clay Travis, just now. I hate the NCAA and love Tennessee. The Tennessee Vol Collective currently has 3,800 members. If you guys take it to 5,000 members, I'll personally donate $100,000 to the Vol Collective. This is just an example of how you are going to unite everyone against you. And that pathetic, half-witted statement you put out yesterday in response to all this, uh, we're just doing exactly, we're cutting edge and trying to help the student-athlete on NIL. We want to be out in front of this. We're just doing what the membership wants and enforcing rules. B.S. And Donde Plowman's statement, then you had that one. Oh, sorry, you had that one in response to a lawsuit 
for antitrust violations filed by the states of Tennessee and Virginia. Right. Then you come out with that half-assed statement, and then Danny White completely murders you with his statement after that. This is going so poorly for the NCAA. I seriously half expect Nick Saban to be the czar of college football <laughs> by Valentine's Day. I, I wish it was uh, Valentine's Day. We may get late. a big-time Valentine's Day gift instead of chocolates. We get Nick Saban as czar of the new college football that is not run by the NCAA. That's how quickly this is spiraling out of control for the NCAA. Uh, and, and coaches, by the way, are uh, like Nick Saban are bailing. You know, he's retiring. You've got Jeff Halfley, who's uh, taking a coordinator job, coordinator job in the NFL, uh, defensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers, is the former head coach for the last four seasons at Boston College. And I mean, part of the reason, the main reason why he's doing it. Uh, is it because, you know, his dream is to be in the NFL? He has NFL experience, college experience. It's because of he, uh, coaches can't coach anymore. Name, image, likeness, fundraising, recruiting, and not just recruit, recruiting your own roster on a daily basis because of the portal. It's a burnout factor where coaches can't actually do what they want to do, which is coach ball. And instead, they're doing all the background and uh, the minutia of, NIL, fundraising, recruiting, because there are no guidelines. And the member schools, the member administrators, the coaches, they did ask for regulation. Year, two years ago is whenever they were clamoring. Hell, Lane Kiffin continues to ask for it. Yeah. And he's one of the Ole Miss, Grove Collective, and the, the Aspire, they're teaming up and they're running the, the revolution. Yeah, today the alliance. Uh, Hunter Bador of Spire and Walker Jones – of Grove Collective were named the chair and vice chair of the new Collectives Association. Yeah. That's 32 and, collectives across college sports. And both would say, we're all for regulation. And Walker Jones came on the show and said that. Yeah. It said that at, uh, in, in front of uh, the uh, politicians on Capitol Hill, same day that Charlie Baker was there, uh, where Baker and uh, Walker, I believe, uh, exchanged barbs there. Um Say we're all for regulation, but we want some compromise here. There's not going to be, uh, you know, some. We're not just going to have a, a exemption for antitrust all of a sudden and save you because again, it goes back to the billions and how the percentage is distributed. We're headed towards uh, a players' union, and and that's where the collectives will also come in. But Chad, th this is you see right through this. This is not about some measly violation because of a private jet. No. This goes they to want the a pound of grants, flesh. They, but, but, they but, want to get a collective. Well, but they, need, they need more than what they've done. They're not going to do anything. That's why and everybody's that, laughing at them right now. They're, they're and, trying to do this in hopes that Tennessee, being the good little boy they were before, right. with a pat on the belly, was going to turn everything over. But what they don't realize is Tennessee, in part, did that because they wanted to fire their coach for cause. And this gave them an out to do it, and they got to play cooperative witness with the NCAA. They're not going to do it on this one. They're just not, and, and Tennessee's in the right, and NCAA is in the wrong uh, on this issue. So they're going to fail miserably. Getting back to the coaches bolting for the NFL yeah. thing. Yep. Jeff Halfley going to the Green Bay Packers as defensive coordinator. Um, he was the head coach at Boston College. I, I don't know that this is a bad move for the coach at Boston College at any point in time. When we start to see the big-time head coach that leaves for a coordinator position, in the NFL or a position coach deal in the NFL, that, that's when alarm bells are really going to go off and say, man, it must be bad if X coach at this Power 5 school that's been a power has bolted for the NFL. I'm not talking about Jim Harbaugh, who wanted to get back in the NFL the last three years. He's been wanting to get back to the NFL the whole time. Now's the perfect time post-national title at his alma mater, 
and also in the midst of this, whatever's going on with the Connor Stallions investigation. But there definitely is a sense that coaches want to coach ball, and because there's so much confusion right now, and because there's so much constant concern about your own team being poached and leaving, they want to go somewhere where they, they know who their guys are for the most part, they know how the system works, and they get to coach football. So we'll start to see more of this, but we haven't seen this mass exodus yet of guys leaving for demotions to go to the NFL. We've seen good coaches leave college basketball. Now they're not taking NBA jobs. Yeah, they're retiring. Yeah, but they're, it's they're a good time retiring to get out. early, though. Yeah, because I, I think they, they don't want to be a part of it. I think it certainly led to Saban doing some of these things. Yeah, look, I think Jay Wright retired early, and he said in large part because of the landscape of it. Um, I, again, I, I think high-paying jobs are going to be high-paying jobs, and guys are going to want those jobs. And these are still Halfley's good a, jobs. Halfley's making $4 million a year at Boston College. That surprises me. He had two years left on that deal. Well, that, look, that, it's I'm, not... I'm, that, I'm surprised by that. Because a coordinator in the NFL, uh, you're making seven figures, but it's not that. It's um, head coaches that are making that. Remember the Mike Vrabel or although one million in Green Bay may go further than four million in, yeah, in that's Boston. True. Get some real Who estate knows? there. Um, Vrabel salary versus uh, anybody that we were comparing to. Yeah, I just look. I think what Herb Street is saying about this, and then what Jeff Halfley saying by doing this. I mean, if all the reports to Pete Thamel are correct about a source saying he just wants to coach ball and wants to get away, it makes total sense for him to do this. It's not a huge step down to go from Boston College head coach to Green Bay Packers defensive coordinator is my only point. When we start to see the major coaches, and all due respect to Jeff Halfley, not a major coach, no, Boston I'm College, not a major more likely to get a raise FBS or get fired, program. Right? Yeah, if we when we see when Dabo Sweeney leaves Clemson to go be the line, the wide receivers coach for the Carolina Panthers, then I'm going to say, wow, this is, this is a real big issue. Or just this guy's just leaving leave. that much money on the table to go and do that. If he just chooses not to coach, though. To or me, just retires. the same thing. And he yeah. says simply because of that. Then you got more of an issue. But the issue can be stopped. It's not about players getting money and getting paid. Right. Because I think so many people see that and say, well, Herb Street's right. Because players are getting paid – Coaches don't want to be around them anymore. That's not the truth. It's the lack of stability. It's the lack of rules. It's the lack yeah. of guidelines for anything. That, that's why they, they don't want to be a part of it right now. Yeah, and I don't blame them. Uh, but, but trying to recruit your own roster every day. Like, that's just, it's maddening. And knowing, knowing it's, that the it's other... why I no longer look at a class next to someone in, in college sports. But also, like, uh, you're just there right now, and that's that, all I know. That coach complaining is also recruiting someone else's roster too through their staff through their collective right so it's it's everyone's doing it because everyone can and everyone does it because you have to if you want to win because you're going to have to replenish you have to reload and you have to do that because the rich get richer yeah now i will say this too for the college the current college sports setup which is a total joke and this benefits the coaches it, it the buyout makes Still. it where i'm thinking Okay, what what real pressure do you have? Like you get fired if you've got the contract and you're gonna get paid, right? So I don't. Well, I think most of these guys. I, I get do it. Enjoy like I, I would not. It's a total headache. I would not want to deal with. I'm not saying they have an easy job or it's fun or or any of that. But my point is, I mean, I just can't. The pressure of if I lose my linebacker and this guy, then I might get fired. And I'm thinking, the system is rigged to a point where you get paid millions to fail. 
to get fired. So am I going to sit here and cry over you getting fired and getting paid to leave because you couldn't navigate the murky waters of NIL as well as the coach next door? I, I don't – that doesn't – sorry, that doesn't tug at my heartstrings. Like yeah, a, but I mean uh, – Like a Sarah McLaughlin l- song. Let's just, let's just dumb it down to the student athlete, okay? Let's, no one's getting paid here, Chad. Uh, you're – What's the worst that could happen if you are a terrible softball coach? But yeah, I mean, oh, I, I, get, I get fired by my parents. Like, there's no pressure there. Yeah, but you want to win. Well, of course I want to win, but I'm saying this whole everyone I, I'm, wants to I'm win. gonna I'm gonna leave because all I have to worry about all this stuff all the time, and it's just not you got to worry about winning and losing the NFL if you go and coach there. Well, they they're able to leave. You though. worry about winning and losing they're coaching up, in high school or anywhere these else. Guys, we're, we're talking about the the one percent coaches though. The guys who are really there, the longevity has allowed them to just step aside. Right. Because they've been paid. They're not going to get fired. My point is, I can only cry so much for someone making oh, five to $10 million a year. Of course. But that's going to make more than that to get to fail no and doubt, get fired. No doubt. But they're in a system with billions uh, being uh, bargained uh, and, and discussed right now. Uh, the buyouts are crazy. But when you look at the bottom line of what the NCAA is doing and the money that they bring in, I mean, they can cry poor all they want to. They're not poor. Well, look, I think ultimately the the fear is that you are perceived to be a failure because you got fired. There's no financial fear anymore for college head coaches. No. They're set. Once you make it to that level, you're set. And then if you suck, you get fired, you get paid a bunch of money to leave, yeah. and you get to go coach and, and be a coordinator or position coach and make really good money for another program, and, and you're set. Once you reach that point. So that's that's my greater point. Well, I mean, the top 25 paid coaches right now in, in the Power Five, they make at least $6 million or more. At least. Which they paid that in softball coaching. Yeah. $6. Need to get some A of that. Hot dog. Need to get some of that money. A hot dog. How much uh, I, I just pay. <laughs> it's yeah. costing me money to coach the softball team. How much money would you put on uh, a proposal of uh, Kelsey and Taylor Swift after the Super Bowl? I mentioned this last week. I, that this Hutton is, is obsessed script. with this idea that they're gonna, he's going to propose post-game. Yeah, I, I'm not obsessed with it. I'm, I'm just saying we mentioned it a week before they put a line out for it in Vegas. Uh, you're, you're setting the line. You're the, you're the line We're maker changing now. changing lines here. They knew you were going to Vegas. And they're like, this guy's it's been obvi- saying this I mean, for a while. I mean, this is, uh, if you believe in the script writers, Hutton, this is right up your alley. Hutton, if you nail this and it happens, you well, never have, to, have to say anything ever again. You will forever be the guy that nailed the exact time uh, that he was going to propose to Taylor Swift yeah. on the field. I mean, what better time to do it? I don't think there's any chance that they that he thinks to do that after the game, after a win. I don't know. They're, they're so in on love. On the field. I mean, now, that's what do he do it, like, on the podium? You know, they're doing the, the post-game deal? Oh, no. This will be – this will be. Uh, they'll have a film crew around, Chad. Let's get it right. NFL Films will be around, gathered with the confetti on the, on the, on the turf. NFL Films, Pharrell Williams will direct – the video on Taylor's yeah, Rock, behalf. Rock Nation will be there. Rock Nation, yeah. yeah. Jay-Z, all... Beyonce's video crew that shot Lemonade is going to yeah. be there. Jackson Mahomes will be all somewhere the right in the background. All the filters. Brittany Mahomes will absolutely Jackson make Mahomes won't be allowed in Vegas for this trip for that very reason. I wish. I will wish. Brittany be the maid of honor? <laughs> can, we get an, can we get the odds on that? Whatever. Brittany Mahomes, matron of honor. It's so ridiculous. On behalf of Taylor Swift. So they're charging uh, $7 million per 30 seconds this year. That's the estimate, or I guess the guess, uh, expectation. Uh, at least three main uh, companies are advertising just to reach the Taylor Swift audience. 
Here's what I do not understand. I cannot comprehend this when it comes to advertisers for the Super Bowl. Why, oh why, do you pay $7 million to run an ad and then so many of these companies run it before the Super Bowl online? Like you can go on Saturday yeah. and Sunday of the Super Bowl and see like the Bet MGM ads. Like we know what the ad campaign is because they're doing it now with Vince Vaughn and Tom Brady. Yep. And they're going to do something for the Super Bowl. It better be totally different. Well, when or, they do the Super like the Super Bowl should be the unveiling of the ad, not posting it on YouTube. But now you get it before, during, deal. and after. Everyone's talking well, about like, the rankings. I, hey, I like the and concept of, the of 20 million people. How many people are actually seeing it before the game? I like the concept of 30 second ad teases you to go to the website and see the rest to see it. or go to YouTube and see oh, the to rest. Draw, yeah, to, yeah, to push you there. But I'm just looking at bang for my buck. I'm posting on YouTube for people to watch right after it runs. For the seven million dollars I spent for it to run, I don't know. I, you're spending seven million. They, imagine being laid off from a company that then turns around and spends seven million on a thirty second ad. Yeah, I bet all those people that got laid off at ESPN are gonna be mad when they run their thirty second spot. Yeah, on CBS during this game. Is it on? No, CBS. Yeah, CBS has it this year, right? CBS. Yeah, Romo's got it. It's the Romo game. Tony Romo. Everybody's gonna hate Romo. Um. Okay. This Providence, Divine Providence. Everyone's going to be mad at Pat McAfee when they run that yeah. spot for ESPN and blame right. him. That he probably had yeah. something to do with it. That's right. Um, okay, let's dive into this. So you have Divine Providence is this fan-created documentary on Providence. The Providence Friars, the Friars basketball program. And you have now Jeff Goodman in the middle of this with this YouTube content creator. Uh, Divine Providence, the name of this. Uh, Blue Demon Deegan, I believe, is the username. and Which is short for Blue De- the Blue Demon Degenerate. Okay. Uh, the, the person who made the documentary had over 70,000 views on YouTube before the platform removed the video for copyright violations. And the user revealed that the uh, alleged legal threats that he received from basketball insider Jeff Goodman with the field of 68 now um, posted these DMs. And he, this guy operated a social media account in a YouTube channel called the Big East, Big East Films. And the project that he was doing, I, I guess his goal was to have a documentary and produce a documentary on the conference's 11 basketball programs. Yep. And this was the first one. And it focused on Ed Cooley and his rise to uh, being the head coach of Providence and then his eventual departure where he left for rival Georgetown. So... Earlier this week, this account was suspended due to copyright issues on YouTube. And now Blue Demon Deegan, the username, who's anonymous, uh, posted screenshots of Goodman threatening legal action, why it's unclear. Uh, I, I don't know why it's unclear exactly what Goodman's intentions are here because John Fanta, also the Field of 68, friend of the show, he's Want a part of this Want Providence Fanta? documentary. He's, in, he's featured in this. Ed Cooley, meanwhile, is <laughs> accused of having an affair in this. And you have other platforms that are still, you're still able to go and watch Divine Providence, like Rumble, where Dave Portnoy is uh, pushing viewership. But Goodman, Well, he's telling them to go to Rumble. Barstool now has uh, an affiliation right. with Rumble. And he's since retweeted. So he's saying, go there so we can all watch it. I, I don't it, know if they, have they posted it? Yeah, because I saw the, the story that Davey sent. Uh, they, he retweeted another one that said, this is where you go to watch the documentary that Ed Cooley and, and Jeff Goodman don't want you to see. I want to watch this, though. 
I guess. I mean, I, I I don't have a Rumble account. Do I need an account to go to Rumble, or can I just Rumble? I don't think so. We were on Rumble at one point. Can we just Rumble? The show was on Rumble. I'm saying, can we just Rumble? Like, I don't need to log in or anything. I just go and watch we it. We didn't. I, I don't know. Find it. Probably now. I'm gonna watch this thing. I'm gonna probably I'm gonna, now. I'm gonna bookmark this bad boy. Yeah. So I love that our guy Fant is a part of this. I know. Well, and he's pissing off Jeff. I, Jeff Goodman. I would his have colleague, Fant a part apparently. of this too. I don't know if Fant is pissing him off. I think I don't know what it is that's pissing off Goodman. Other than maybe it's based on the. Accusations made at Cooley. I don't know. It sounds to me like Jeff Goodman is Cooley's muscle. Uh, I, I think he's protecting his guy, Ed Cooley, uh, and mad about this because yeah. he has some sort of relationship with him, and, and you know he left for Georgetown. Obviously, Providence people are mad. Um, just going back to the start of this whole story, anonymous Twitter accounts producing documentaries and not giving their actual identity, I, I'm opposed to this. We once in Radio Past had an interview with a guy that went by Eklund, and that wasn't his name, and he's a hockey blogger, and he showed up in Nashville to a big event, and he wore a mask like Wilson from Home Improvement that covered half his face. It was the strangest thing I've ever seen. He was protecting his identity like he was on Unsolved Mysteries, or he was you know giving a, a Dateline NBC confessional and changing his voice. It was so strange. So... Blue Demon Degenerate, give us your real name. I mean, you're smart enough to put together an 11-part docu-series. Then you can tell us your damn name also. I, I don't, again, I, I don't like that. I also don't like Jeff Goodman saying that a guy's going to look great in orange in his prison jumpsuit because of a documentary about Providence basketball with no knowledge as to why he's so angry and no yeah. mention of Jeff Goodman in it. Why, how is this well, Jeff Goodman's know, fight we, to fight? We only know the screenshots portion of this. I don't know if Goodman told him why. Well, the Goodman's guy, on that field of 68 no, every night. I know. I hope someone asks him about it or he talks about it I, at some point. I know. I'm saying like we only know what this degenerate guy on uh, YouTube is posting. Like the screenshots from that. I, I don't know. It's it's confusing. Uh, the copyright violations of whatever this I, guy's using. I'm all into this story though. I'm, I'm going to continue to monitor your, it. I want to know what's going yeah, on. And take your content elsewhere that's going to allow you to post it there. To me, it's not that not that difficult to figure out. Post it where it's not going to be censored, where you don't have to censor yourself. Well, they gave copyright violations is why it was taken down, yeah. right? And, and I mean, this is the only platform, though, that to based on this story, that YouTube is the only one that, that did this. He's clearly not overly concerned about. I don't. It may, maybe it's a she. I don't know. Blue, Blue Demon Degenerate, the anonymous account. Uh, they. Apparently are not too worried oh, about so. um, being sued because they're going to post the other ten. Right. Said there's ten more to go. They just can't watch this one now because of what the, we said about Ed Cooley. What if this is better than Untold? Hey, got seventy thousand people watching it in a pretty short amount of time. I'm not, I know. I mean, what if this? Uh, is who better doesn't want to watch Untold? this thing now? This is great. Can promotion they go for do? It. Can this? Can this? Can they go produce the documentary that we wanted to see on Swamp Kings? Please do. <laughs> It sounds like Blue Demon Degenerate's the one that hits hard. Yeah. yeah Steve Spurrier, uh, Freddie Scor- Austin. The Scorsese of documentary online films. Spurrier coming, on, uh, coming out on behalf of Urban Meyer. I think in part 11, Blue Demon Degenerate, they should reveal themselves to who it is. That just goes to credit. Post-credit scene is Blue Demon Degenerate on camera explaining who they are. Rick Pitino. <laughs> That'd be great. Coming up. Chris Mullen. Armando Salguero joins us. We uh, get the latest on, well, it seems like no one wanted the Washington job. 
just me. I, I actually thought it was a great gig. I don't really feel that way anymore. After they hired Dan Quinn, Dan Snyder so ben, tarnished the name ben of that organization. Johnson turned them down. They can never recover, apparently. Yeah, I, I, we'll dive into that. Plus, uh, the NFL. Well, they absolutely want Vegas to live up to this. Uh, what happens if Vegas stays in Vegas? They don't want any headlines from their players that are going to be there. That's straight ahead here on Outkick and Hot Mike. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow here at Outkick.com slash watch. You can also, while you're at Outkick.com, head over to the store. Uh, Shop.outkick.com is where you can go to catch all the uh, gear, uh, like Armando. Uh, Armando owns all the gear. He does. You've got uh, Every polos, bit of the gear. He's got hats, all of it. T-shirts, especially sweatshirts, pullovers, so, so much more. Uh, he is the most likely to uh, write about someone yelling at the ref. Armando Salguero joins us, senior NFL reporter. Uh, Armando, good to see you. Can't wait to see you uh, out in Vegas. I have all the gear because it's been gifted to me. So <laughs> well that's done. why it I have arrived. the gear. Good, good for the you. The price was right. <laughs> Mondo, I haven't paid for a ticket to an event in about 20 years. So I'm, I'm right there with you, my man. If, if, it's, if it's free, it's me. That's my motto Absolutely. in life. Absolutely. <laughs> and that applies to press box food. And that applies to... Uh, you know, anything that ownership in the NFL or anywhere else wants to give me, that's good. Also, the, like per- also the perfect uh, price is the five spot uh, with Donovan McNabb, Armando Salguero. They'll be uh, at the Super Bowl for special editions of the show. Really looking forward to that, Armando, and uh, the coverage that you guys will have. Uh, you and, and Donovan already doing a fantastic job, and you've got the Tuesday and Friday posts each day at OutKick, and, well, Super Bowl editions coming straight forward. Yep. Uh, Donovan and I will be live and in living color Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We're going to do the Tuesday show, um, you know, like we normally do. And then we'll actually be in the same place Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So I might have to like get him into a headlock or something, (laughs) uh, because I'm much bigger than he is, as you know. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, one, (laughs) one, uh, one of the two, only it looks like a professional athlete, right? Um, yeah. Hey, so whenever the job openings uh, came about, I, I said, man, the commanders to me, I, I put the commanders near the top. I did because got a ton of money to spend, new ownership. I know the NFL absolutely wants that organization to succeed now. They're going to get a new stadium moving forward. That wasn't even a part of the discussion prior. Uh, to me, quarterback would be negotiable. I mean, you got number three pick and you have money to spend. Why didn't anyone seemingly want this gig, Armando? Well, I mean, I think people did want the gig unless... You you know what I mean? Ben Johnson didn't. Ben Johnson wanted like $20 million a year or something like that. Um, But I think think the guys running that search, though, would have known that, right? They would have no, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have allowed themselves to be turned down. Right. Uh you know, they allowed it to be that Ben Johnson turned everyone down. And That's I fair. think that Ben he ultimately made the right decision. He's going to be successful again next year because they're probably going to keep most of that offense together. And so 
his window for coaching, he knows, hasn't closed. Um, as far as Dan Quinn, you know, he's been a hot candidate for years. And ironically, Dan Quinn has had years where he's decided, right. I don't want that job and I don't want that job. So I'm going to back out and just stay in Dallas. And he did. And now he's the head coach of the Washington Commanders. What is stunning to me is who's not a head coach yep. in the NFL in 2024. Are you more surprised that Belichick, Vrabel, or Ben Johnson is not a head coach today? I'm surprised that Mike Vrabel is not a head coach. I'm surprised that Bill Belichick is not a head coach. I know that Ben Johnson will be. Okay. Uh, those other two guys, especially Belichick, his his path back into the NFL, and I can't believe I'm even saying that sentence, is kind of narrow in that he's going to be next year, he's going to be pushing 73 years old, and he wants a certain kind of team. And so he's going to hover over those teams like an albatross, uh, and every time or any time any of those teams, and I'm talking about the Dallas Cowboys, the Philadelphia Eagles specifically, anytime either of those teams struggle next year, if at all, the name you're going to hear is Bill Belichick and the possibility of Bill Belichick taking over at some point after the season. Is Vrabel in the same boat of someone who's demanding too much power and is coming across poorly to other teams? Yeah, so Mike Vrabel, I thought, honestly, would be hired five minutes after he was basically fired in Tennessee. And I was wrong. And he kind of laid low to kind of pick and choose his spot. Um, I think that was tactically a bad decision because the openings and the opportunities didn't come hot and heavy uh, like he expected once he put himself out there. At that point, I think three teams had already picked their coaches. And so those are three opportunities to be as a, an NFL head coach that he no longer had when he got back into the fray. Um, he's going to take a year off, probably. Uh, I don't see him working as a coordinator anywhere. That's not who he is. I don't see him doing uh, the the consultant gig. I, that's not who he is. He'll be out a year and back in the hiring cycle next year. But you're absolutely right, Chad. He comes with this, or at least he did this year. I need to have certain powers. A lot of the ownership that is lately trying to hire coaches, they want to hear guys use the word collaborative yeah. and collaboration in their coaching interviews. And I don't think that's in Mike Vrabel's vocabulary. And so maybe in the next year, uh, he needs to get it in his vocabulary if he wants to get back into coaching. So I, I both respect Ben Johnson's play here, and I also don't fully understand it. So help me with this when it comes to NFL ownership. When you go in and say, I want all the money in the world to be a head coach when you're a coordinator, or I'll walk back to Detroit and continue being a coordinator, 
How long can you play that game before NFL owners just say, this guy just doesn't want to be a head coach? He's not just waiting for the perfect opportunity. He just doesn't want to be a head coach. He really wants to be a coordinator. We're not as interested in him anymore. Or does he eventually just become the white whale that everyone wants to land? Yeah. Ben Johnson's 37 years old. So I'm not sure that he's at – in fact, I am sure. He's not there yet. Uh, He's about to age out of the job. He's about to age out of the job based on all the hires. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If he does it again next year, now we have, now that's two years in a row, actually three years in a row. Ben Johnson, fourth oldest coach in the NFL, hired at 39 years old. Yes, absolutely. Uh, If he does it again next year, obviously now you have a problem because that would be three years in a row that you should have been and you you decided you didn't want to be, and that turns a certain percentage of people off. And there's only 32 of them, so uh, at some point he's he's. I think next year is the you got to jump year, one way or the other, because sometimes you just you're you're hot until you're not. Uh, I think Brian Flores learned that this year. I think others have learned that over the years. Ben Johnson has probably one more year of that. And again, he's 37 years old. It's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. Armando, um, well, I can see the headline now, four or five months from now. Insert player name here. Put money down on or wagered on the length of the national anthem at the Super Bowl while in Vegas, while uh, staying in Vegas for Radio Row opportunities. Uh, and they're going to claim they didn't know that was part of the NFL uh, gambling policy. Can you also uh, jump on board with that's going to be a headline by the time we get to May or June? I never underestimate morons. (laughs) And so uh, the manner in which the NFL has spoken to its players, coaches, staff, personnel, club personnel, doctors, athletic trainers, sideline people, all 17,000 of them. <laughs> and that's not, a, I'm uh, not, I know, I I'm know. Not, that's an actual number provided by the NFL this week. Um, there is no excuse. If you are in Las Vegas and you are gambling as an employee of an NFL club or the NFL, you are a moron. <laughs> Because those places have cameras, okay? And stool pigeons. And (laughs) those apps that you're on, they're traceable. And it's and the NFL has people working. The NFL, I learned this week, has a a, a sports betting general manager. I didn't know this. Of course they do. They've got a guy that's the general manager of sports betting. And so it tells you to what degree their sophistication level is to not just make sure that you and I and the fans don't think that the game is rigged. Right. They're failing at some parts of that, (laughs) but that, that people who work within the league stay away from this stuff so that you and I and fans don't say, ah, the game is rigged. You've got people in the game betting. Uh, so obviously the NFL is very concerned about that. 
and they will come down so hard on anyone if they are caught at the Las Vegas Western Hemisphere Capital of Sports Betting Super Bowl betting. It's going to be a, a, a bloodbath for whomever uh, gets caught doing that. They're going to have uh, people in uh, the old city as well, just scouting. Yeah, the old old row, old strip is where they're going to be. Just see, if you want to go to the Fremont, you're going to get caught there also. They're going to have eyes everywhere. going to get crazy. Big brother. So, Armando, speaking of big brother, Travis Kelsey treated Justin Tucker like he was his big brother pregame. Where do you fall on this and who was in the right and who was in the wrong? We got in this discussion yesterday. Kickers oftentimes are on the other side of the field in warm-ups. You've been at a ton of NFL games. What did you make of this whole interaction? Uh, you know what? Um, first of all, Justin Tucker should probably understand, and somewhere someone should explain, you're a kicker. And everyone else on the field is bigger, meaner, angrier than you, including your holder. And so being the kicker, you're not the guy that's going to try to psych out the opposing quarterback. That's number one. Number two, I would have loved to have seen, uh, for example, if, I don't know, uh, you know, Queen or Roquan Smith or someone like that, or, you know, an offensive lineman had been warming up there. I would have loved to have seen what Travis Kelsey would have done then. Like if the Baltimore Ravens offensive line had been warming up at the three yard line, was he going to take all of their helmets and toss them aside? Like he did Justin Tuck <laughs> takes all the footballs guess, and throws them also one by one. Right. Right. My guess is that there would have been a different Travis Kelsey that we would have seen more like, hello gentlemen. Do you mind if I move your helmet over there? Because we're trying to warm up over here. Can you they imagine? Get that thing out of here. No, you're, you're spot on, Armando. But can you imagine if he actually dropped back and hit his helmet on the drop back and slipped and fell or hurt himself and was down at that point because he had the footballs behind him? Or if something like that happened, the type of story that would be and the problem that would have been for Justin Tucker? They would have won oh, the game. Huge. They'd be playing the Super Bowl. Yeah, of course. Well, he that, a hero in Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, uh, and of course that would make that would make Patrick Mahomes the most clumsy human being on earth. Yeah, he's a freaking helmet. Yeah. Taylor Swift Don't would be trip blamed over it. Taylor Swift would have been blamed, not you Justin did Tucker. This. Yeah, you I didn't did do this. anything. Hey, uh, can you can you sum up for me what we're watching in real time in Patrick Mahomes, Armando, as a Pro Football Hall of Fame selector, where he is and what he's done this year and the path that he's on. Not, we don't have to talk goat or anything like that. Just what we're witnessing at play out in front of us. Yeah, he's actually, if he wins this one, he's ahead of Brady. He's 28 years old, and he will have three Super Bowl championships. And uh, is it four? Four so Super Bowl appearances, appearances. yes. Um, so Brady, you'll remember, had three in the first – I want to say 2001, 2003, 2004. Through their first six so seasons first, as starting quarterbacks. They're nearly nearly identical. Right. But then Brady had that, and the Patriots had that long <laughs> yes. um, yep. 
dry spell where they would get places and get to Super Bowls or AFC Championship games. But the fact is that Ben Roethlisberger and Peyton Manning and and then the the other Manning, who was the devil to yes. uh, Tom Brady, Eli Manning, uh, you know, kept them from winning championships. I would say to you that that group of actors back then presented a greater challenge for Tom Brady performing and winning Super Bowls than the group of actors that we have today. Josh Allen. Lamar Jackson, uh, who else? Tua Tungavailoa, uh, all these guys, Joe Burrow, all these guys that are the modern day, you know, elites, yes, so to speak, they all come with something that is questionable. Josh Allen can't, you know, can't get the team over the hump. Lamar Jackson isn't outstanding in the playoffs. Tua can't win in the playoffs. Joe Burrow has been injured two years out of his uh, five. So they all have something that is a big question mark. And meanwhile, Patrick Mahomes with the dad bod, he just, you know, reproduces. You take away Tyreek Hill and he goes to two Super Bowls back to back. It may win them. Yeah, back to back. Yeah, you're right. As long as, as, long as Andy Reid is the coach there, and he is 65 years old. But as long as Andy Reid is the coach there and Patrick Mahomes is healthy, uh, Tom Brady should be watching and uh, wondering if his seven rings will be eclipsed. Looking forward to next week, Armando. Great coverage, uh, as always. And uh, we will certainly have it next week. And can't wait to see uh, the five spot there as well. Well, it's it's going to be my pleasure. Of course, I realize that next week is the big stars coming out. So... I'll just see you guys. You'll kind of ignore me. We'll, we'll try to on the other side of the street. Based on and, all the practice coverage just, and press conferences, we'll try to make sure uh, you know we're available. We, we know you. your window on Radio Row, Armando. We we'll be sure to be there during that window so we can yeah. catch you. We'll be in your seat. That's right. Yeah, you'll be kicking <laughs> us right. out of the seat. <laughs> Thanks, man. Have a good Thank rest you. of the week, man. There's Armando Salguero. You can't get along with him. It's you problem. Uh, check out the five spot at outkick.com. Coming up, Che Mock will join us, sports agent. We're going to dive into this NCAA versus state government and lawsuits, antitrust, and where we're headed. Chad, we're headed towards we're headed towards a union, right? We'll ask Che. This is right up Che's alley. That's next on Hot Mike.